Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Nuggets Nation, where you'll find the most up-to-date news, stories, and information about the Denver Nuggets and their organization. Brought to you by your host, Ethan Hinschel. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 12 of Nuggets Nation. I'm here to bring you guys a recap of the past few weeks as I have not recorded an episode in a little bit. But before I do that, I would just like to announce if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, please make sure to do so because I'm doing a giveaway for one of the first 500 subscribers. You will win a free Nikola Jokic jersey. So all you have to do is subscribe to this podcast and you'll have an opportunity to win a jersey and I'll ship it out on my dime. So it's really straightforward and simple and I look forward to giving it away and interacting with everyone. So to catch everyone up, the Nuggets last for my last podcast, I previewed the Warriors Nuggets game with my brother Jonah in an episode, and I'm here to bring you guys a recap of that game and the others that followed that. So, for those who watched the game, you can remember that the Nuggets won. It was a really good game. Um, it was in Denver. I thought the starters played really well. It was a preview, I think, of the playoffs, to be honest. Um, Aaron Gordon had 16 points, Michael Porter had 19 points. Nikola Jokic had 26 points, 14 rebounds, and 8 assists. Jamal Murray had 28 points on 10 of 18 shooting. KCP had 16 points. I really thought Michael Malone had really good rotations in this game, and they for sure had a little more emphasis on winning this game as it was on Christmas, national TV, everyone's watching. It's a big game against the Warriors. And Nikola Jokic made a ton of free throws in this game. It was the most... I believe he has attempted in his career. And I know Steve Kerr made comments after the game saying that he did not like the way the officials were refereeing the game and their whistles and when and where they were calling them. And I would argue that there were a few calls that you could question whether or not Jokic deserved to go to the foul line. But I would like to respond to Steve Kerr and say that Nikola Jokic constantly gets fouled and hacked and he does not get to the line. And he is not a guy like Joel Embiid, for instance, who all he does is attempt shots to get to the free throw line. Nikola Jokic plays a true game of basketball, and he doesn't look to just score from the free throw line. He has a complete game, three levels to his game. And I think it's just like kind of disrespectful and insulting that Steve Kerr said that. I know it doesn't bother Jokic, but I'll touch on it later when the Nuggets beat the Warriors again a little down the road. And I think it was a bit of a fuck you to Steve Kerr, but... Before we get there, there's other things to cover, but I don't know. I just think Steve Kerr was a bit out of a pocket to say that all Jokic does is get to the free throw line when I believe he averages just like five free throws a game, which is just not that many considering how dominant he is inside the paint. So yeah, it's it's whatever, but as Nuggets fans, I don't know. I think it's something you can think about down the road if we face off against the Warriors in the playoffs or something. 
but it's whatever. Something to just put in the back. Um, and then the Nuggets then faced off against the Grizzlies. They won 142-105. to 105. This was a really dominant win. I do have to point out that the Grizzlies were shorthanded. They did not have John Morant. And it 100% was shown ineffective without John Morant. They were just not as good. And they just really struggled without him. They couldn't really find a flow, the Grizzlies, without John Morant. They were on a back-to-back, but I don't really think that matters. When you lose by 37, even with John Morant, I don't think, even if he's scoring 30, like someone else is going to score more for the Nuggets. The Grizzlies were not winning this game. The Nuggets played incredibly well. Jokic had another triple-double, which is super cool to watch and just be able to talk about on this podcast. Jokic is such a good player, and... He does not get the recognition by the NBA that he deserves. I think guys in the NBA know how good he is, but the media coverage surrounding the NBA outside of Denver, Colorado, doesn't appreciate how good Nikola Jokic is, which is kind of crazy considering the Nuggets won in the spring. He still constantly, it feels, gets disrespected and minimized for his contributions to the Nuggets. And it's easy for me as a fan who watches the Nuggets every game to sit back and laugh at that because I know how good he is and I know the value that he brings to the Nuggets and how he is the most valuable player in the NBA. He is the biggest difference maker that you can have. So it's it's a lot for Jokic to carry that load, but he doesn't mind doing it for the Nuggets and the Nuggets run their offense through Jokic and there's not many guys in the league who can say that they provide the role that Jokic provides for the Nuggets maybe Giannis, maybe Embiid, but at the same time, Jokic, the way the offense runs with Jokic compared to Embiid or Giannis is a bit different. It's more natural and there's more flow to the offense and guys are getting their shots and it's not always Jokic just passing the ball. It's a lot of ball movement. It's a lot of good possessions, grinding out the defense, pick and roll, getting into the, getting into your spots, hitting good shots and timely shots too. The Nuggets just consistently seem to do that. They are a good, good team and when you have a good good team like that and you have an MVP player like Jokic his job becomes a little easier because he has such trust and such faith in his four other starters and Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon that he knows whoever he passes the ball to and wherever they are on the floor that they have a good opportunity to make that shot and or make a good play because all four of those guys also know how to play with Nikola Jokic really well and there's a certain type of player who can excel when they play with Nikola Jokic and that's a guy who's going to cut He's going to fight on the defensive end. He's going to be a little scrappy. And not only that, but on the offensive end, he's going to take shots. And he's you always got to be ready for the ball. Because as we know, as Nuggets fans, Nikola Jokic is one of the best passers in the NBA. And a lot of times, he will make a pass that you do not think you would have the opportunity to get. And that is part of what makes Nikola Jokic so special. So guys like Peyton Watson and Michael Porter, two long wing players, have really excelled under Nikola Jokic, specifically Peyton Watson. He's really been blossoming as of late. And really positive things about the Nuggets as we continue forward in this season. And in this game against the Grizzlies, the Nuggets had 53 bench points. So that was really incredible. Unfortunately, as we turn to the next night against the Thunder, this was a back-to-back for the Nuggets. They lost this game by 26 points. It wasn't pretty. They didn't play well. The Thunder have looked really good against the Nuggets this year. I do think that is something worth pointing out, that the Thunder have looked really good against the Nuggets. It's also a bit of an asterisk, however, that the Thunder have looked really good against most NBA teams this year. The Thunder are 23-11 and 11 as I'm recording this podcast on Sunday evening. So the Thunder are really good, and 
the Nuggets, this was a game they didn't deserve to win. If we look back at the previous Nuggets Thunder game, where the Nuggets lost on a bucket by Shea Gillis-Alexander, that is a game in which the Nuggets should have won. But this is a game the Nuggets had no business winning. They didn't play well. They didn't deserve to win. They turned the ball over. They shot the ball poorly. They didn't defend on the defensive end. And when you don't do those things, you're not going to win. And unfortunately, the Thunder are young, and so are the Nuggets, but the Thunder kind of just outran the Nuggets. And it was a little disappointing to see at home in a back-to-back. I know they've had so many back-to-backs this year, but that was a big game for the conference and the standings, and they just came out flat. And Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic, they all know that that performance was not acceptable and that they have got to do better. And it's tough because you want to beat the really good teams in the conference to prove that you are that good. And I don't think the Nuggets need to prove to anyone that they're an elite talent and an elite NBA Finals contender. But winning those games just for your own self-confidence boost for the Nuggets individually it matters, and I know they won the finals last year, so they're not going to overly fixate just on this one game, but it's disappointing, 100%, and they have areas to improve upon. And then from that game, the Nuggets beat the Hornets 111-93. to This was a good game. The Jamal Murray had 25 points, Michael Porter had 22 points and 8 rebounds. Jokic wasn't necessarily dominant, but... That was kind of in which the style the Nuggets won because his lack of dominance meant that other guys were going to be a little more involved. And frankly, he he doesn't need to be dominant every game. That's not his job necessarily. His job is to play well when he needs to and carry the team when he needs to. And he does that when asked. And in games against the Hornets and teams in the NBA that are not necessarily good, those are games where Nikola Jokic should take a bit of a backseat and let other guys go to work just for their confidence and offense and just overall season goals because we can't burn Nikola Jokic out in a game against the Hornets. That doesn't make sense. The Hornets probably aren't even going to make the playoffs, much less play in tournament. So it's a game where other guys need to get involved. And Reggie Jackson, for instance, he had 15 points off the bench. So he's been playing well as of late. He's really been playing well all season, I have to say. The only part of his game that has looked a little concerning as of late is his defense. Part of what I talked about at the beginning of the year beginning of the season, sorry, not year, about the Nuggets was Reggie Jackson and how I was not the biggest fan. And I admitted in my first few episodes how I regretted saying that because he has played really well. And now I just want to revisit that conversation that I had with you guys about how Reggie Jackson is a rather poor defender. And recently he's been getting attacked on defense as has Jamal Murray been. So I think it's something to keep an eye on for the Nuggets. I don't know if it's a long-term problem necessarily because Reggie's only here for a season or two, I believe. And But more like playoff picture, you can't have that defensive liability on your backup point guard because Jamal Murray isn't naturally the best defender either. So ideally your backup point guard is a bit of a better defender, but Reggie Jackson also brings a scoring element and a playmaking element to the bench. So it's kind of, you got, you kind of have to trade off. There's not many bench players in today's NBA that good at scoring, good at playmaking, and also good at defense. Cause if you're usually that good at all those three, you're probably going to start. So he's got a tough role for sure. And Reggie Jackson has really done it seamlessly, but defense has been his biggest kryptonite. And that's nothing new. If you follow Reggie Jackson for his entire career, defense has been his kryptonite. And it's something that he needs to just get better at this season. And I think part of that's just working within the Nugget system and just feeling a little more confident in who he's sharing the floor with in those rotations coming off the bench and just more of like a 
you know who's going to be on the floor with you in that second rotation because lately Coach Malone has kind of just been changing it up a little bit depending on who the opponent is, which makes sense because every opponent's different and you're not always going to need the same type of player in. So there are some games where Zeke Naji is more valuable than DeAndre Jordan and vice versa, as we saw against the Clippers a month or two ago when Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan turned back the clock and they dominated the Clippers without Jokic and Jamal. So there's times in which bench players are more valuable and less valuable, but I think just more consistency and Reggie Jackson just knowing who he's going to be out there with on the floor and whether or not the starters are going to stunt with the bench unit, whether it's Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, maybe Aaron Gordon backing up center in some roles when Nikola Jokic is sitting, if Zeke Naji or DeAndre Jordan isn't a good matchup. And I think with Aaron Gordon at the backup center position, I think that's more of a playoff rotation type vibe. And we're going to see that as we saw in the past spring. But before I get two sidetracks, I will get more into rotations Towards the end of this podcast episode, I want to talk about the Nuggets Warriors TNT game last week. And wow, what a game. The Nuggets won 130 to 127. This was a legendary Nuggets comeback. I was shocked to say the least when they won. As they were coming back, I had a feeling that they might force overtime or like they were going to have a chance to win, but I didn't necessarily think that they were going to be able to do it. And Wow. Just like kudos to Jokic and Aaron Gordon. The two of them had 64 points combined. Jamal Murray had 25 points too. Jokic was a rebounder away from a triple-double. He had 10 assists, 9 rebounds with this 34 points. He hit a 39-foot game winner, I believe, off the backboard right in front of Steve Kerr. So as I said earlier in this episode, how Steve Kerr talked about Nikola Jokic getting to the free-throw line, too much in that Christmas Day game. He hits this shot right in front of Steve Kerr. I think that was a massive fuck you to Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr, in this game, he was talking to Jokic about, I don't really know what it was, but he was talking to him right before they went to a timeout. And it was for sure like, what are you doing? Like Steve Kerr, I don't really know why he's kind of talking to Jokic. And it wasn't like in a friendly manner. It was more in like, what are you doing type manner with a serious tone to it. And it's not like a coach's job, especially to an opposing player, maybe to your own player, sure, but to an opposing player, especially the someone of the likeness of Jokic, it's ridiculous, frankly. And Jokic, for sure, remembered that moment. And in the fourth quarter, the Nuggets just went on a crazy run. Peyton Watson hit a timely three during their run in the fourth quarter. And something that stood out to me that I took real notice of was Peyton Watson closed out the game. And he's done that on a few occasions this season for the Nuggets. I would say more than a few. He's done it a handful of times. And Michael Porter sat. And Michael Porter was smiling as Jokic hit the game-tying bucket and the three-pointer. And he was so happy. And he had a grin, excuse me, from ear to ear. And that shows the Nuggets culture. I know, guys, I noticed it in the moment. And I want to take credit, but it's whatever. I, I know I noticed it in the moment, and I know guys talked about it the next morning on ESPN and other national media broadcasts and stuff about how just the Nuggets have such a great culture and how Michael Porter didn't care that he wasn't starting. But if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I've talked about how selfless Michael Porter has been this season. Because a guy who's making just under or over $200 million, he's the third scorer in that team. He averages 18 points a game. He could easily average 20-plus points a game. He doesn't need to. He doesn't demand that. He shoots his shots within a rhythm of the offense, 
and he's becoming a really complete offensive player. And I talked about at the beginning of the year how the Nuggets' X factor for them to win another NBA Finals was the development of Michael Porter and how he's going to have to take the next step. And he's been doing that. And you got to continue to shout out Michael Porter because he has done what the Nuggets have asked. They've asked him to play better defense. He's done that. They've asked him to become a better passer. He's done that. They've asked him to become a better cutter. He has done that. A better shooter. He's even done that. So there, he's only improved in all areas of his game. And it's so impressive. And as a fan, it can only make you smile to see one of your highest paid players on the bench, closing out a good game on national TV against the Warriors. And there's a second year guy in a spot and he doesn't care. And I think that talks all about the Nuggets culture. And as a fan, it's, it makes me so happy to root for a team where the culture is next man up, doesn't matter who's in. We all we want is team success, and we have one goal, and that's to win another NBA championship. That simple. And we see in today's NBA how so many guys are all about self-driven statistics, individual awards, and their own personal agenda. Whether you're James Harden, Joel Embiid, and other guys around the league, I, I don't like need to name names, but as I just did a few, there are got so many guys around the league who are so focused on individual awards. And you got to point out how Michael Porter is not affected by that. He doesn't care. And, oh, it's so good. I know I went on a bit of a rant there, but it's it's impressive. It's really impressive. And I was really just blown away by Michael Porter. Like, the guy is really talented, and he could demand a trade if he really wanted to. I don't know why he would because he's on a winning team, but he could demand a trade like so many other players do in today's NBA to become a number one or a number two role, but he doesn't because he values winning and he values the Nuggets culture, and he loves playing with Nikola Jokic, as he pointed out on his own podcast, Curious Mike, which is, if you haven't checked out that episode, I highly recommend doing so. It was really fun and really cool to watch and just really see how Nikola Jokic thinks about the game of basketball and what he plans to do after basketball. It was really interesting, but not to talk too much about Michael Porter in that Warriors game, which was a legendary comeback. Recently after that, they lost to Orlando Magic, 122 to 120 at home. This was a really bad loss. The Magic were without a bunch of their starters. The Nuggets had a lead. They blew it. They weren't good. Speaking of Michael Porter, he, for one, he had a good game. And he had 18 points, or he didn't have 18 points in that game. He had 18 points in the game against the Pistons, which I'll get to in a minute. But... Michael Porter had a good game, and after the game, he talked about how sometimes he isn't getting the ball enough and through the flow of the offense, and a lot of his shots are often through the flow of the offense and in rhythm, as he said, and he likes those shots because he makes them. But sometimes, and I saw a bunch of statistics, when Michael Porter's usage is closer to 20-22%, where I think it was 14 in the fourth quarter against Orlando, the Nuggets are way better. And they need to get Michael Porter involved because he is their third best player. He is their second or third best scorer, and he is such a good player. And when he's in a rhythm like that, there's not many better shooters in the league. So you got to get him the ball. He's too good to not get the ball. And guys like him, Aaron Gordon, KCP, sometimes it feels they go minutes without shooting the ball because sometimes Jamal Murray and Jokic are running a pick and roll, and they're just doing that. And I thought Jamal Murray had a really bad game against Orlando, to be honest, Uh, but Guys are going to have bad games, and I'm not here to call guys out. I think Jamal Murray had a bad game. He knows he had a bad game. He didn't play good defense. He didn't play good offense. And his last shot, he almost made. It like was in and out, and it is what it is. It really sucks. They lost, and 
there isn't a lot you can take away from this game beyond the fact that they kind of just let down. They let their foot off the gas, and they thought they could kind of cruise to victory. They didn't. The Orlando Magic have a good, fighty, scrappy team, and they just didn't let the Nuggets do that. And the Nuggets lost at home. Disappointing, as I mentioned, but fortunately, they had a game not soon after against the Detroit Pistons, the NBA's worst team. The Nuggets won 131-114. to Jamal Murray had 37 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. He had an excellent game. He really rebounded well from his previous game in which he did not play well. And Jokic, he had 4 points, 16 assists, 7 rebounds. Kind of a weird stat line. He was really looking to just play make. He was not looking to shoot at all. He only took 3 shot attempts, 2 of which he made for his 4 points, 2 pointers. KCP had 18 points. Michael Porter had 18 points. Peyton Watson had 15 points. And Reggie Jackson had 13 points. This was a very good win. It was somewhat close in the first half. The Nuggets were up 65 to 57 at halftime. And then they kind of just like, you know, stretch out the lead, kind of what they usually do. And just, I don't want to say blew them out, but 17 points is for sure a good hefty win. And that leaves the Nuggets off at 26 and 12. They are currently half a game back of the Minnesota Timberwolves, who lost tonight to the Dallas Mavericks. So that was a big loss. OKC's also on a two-game losing streak right now. So the Nuggets are in a good spot. Like I said, they're half a game back. Minnesota's 25 and 10. Denver's 26 and 12. So Denver for sure has a few more games on hand than them. I believe Denver actually has played the most games in the NBA, which is kind of crazy, and the most back-to-backs. The NBA schedule makers didn't seem to favor the Nuggets at all, which is whatever. The Nuggets are, you know, we're, we're going to take it in stride and we're not going to complain. It is what it is. But as we look ahead, the Nuggets are almost halfway through their season, which is pretty crazy to think about. And on that note, considering they are playing game 39 against the Utah Jazz this Wednesday on national TV, I kind of just want to highlight where we stand so far this year. So I've had a really fun time podcasting and sharing with you guys so far, and I'm really happy to continue to do so. And it's really cool as we enter a new year that I'm continuing to do this. So as we look ahead on the schedule for the rest of January for the Nuggets, they start off this Wednesday on national TV on the road against the Utah Jazz. This is a game the Nuggets should win. Utah is 17-20. and 20. The Utah Jazz have not been a good defensive team this year. They are allowing 118.7 points a game to their opposing teams. So the Nuggets should win this game pretty handily. I feel confident they should win, moving to 27-12. and 12. Then they play the Pelicans at home on Friday, again on national TV. This is a game, again, they should win. The Pelicans have been playing much better as of late. The Pelicans right now, as of Sunday, once again, are 22-15. and 15. And in their last 10 games, they are 6-4. and four. So it's important to note that. And it's also important to note that Utah also is 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. So they've been playing a bit better, but it's still the Nuggets should win. Then the Nuggets play the Pacers on Sunday at home. And this is the second of their two-game homestand. The Pacers have been improving steadily as of late. They're 20-15 and 15 as of right now. Another game the Nuggets should win. They should go 3-0 this week in games. And then that would put them at 29-12, and 12, which is a really good record as the halfway mark for the season. 29-12, and 12, meaning they were on pace to win 58 games, which is fantastic. Fantastic. If you told me at the start of the season that the Nuggets were going to be on pace to win 58 games, I'd be, I'm on board. So that's really positive. And then they start a five-game road trip after their two-game homestand against the Pacers. This is a really tough five-game road trip. Their two toughest games are at the start of this road trip, which is a bit of a blessing, I would argue. They play Philly Tuesday, January 16th on TNT. It'll be a nationalized 
nationalized, nationally televised game. Joel Embiid hopefully will play. I don't imagine why he wouldn't play unless he gets injured in the near future against Jokic. And it'll be a really good game between MVP of last year versus MVP of the past two straight seasons before last year and reigning finals MVP and defending NBA champs. So I'm really looking forward to that. Then the Nuggets get two more days off. Then they play Boston on the road on Friday, January 19th. Again, ESPN. That'll be a really good game. Boston's 28-7. and They've been so good. They're 17-0 at home, which is insane. Right now, I mean, I think Boston has to be one of the top contenders. I'd argue they're probably the favorites right now to win the NBA Finals. Them, Minnesota, Denver, Milwaukee, and Philly are for sure the five best teams. OKC too, don't discredit them. But those will be two really tough games. They then play the Washington Wizards on January 21st, which is Sunday. They should win that game handily. They then play the Indiana Pacers on January 23rd, which is Tuesday. They should hopefully win that game. They then play the Knicks January 25th on Thursday. Again, they should hopefully win that game. Well, that's a tough five-game road trip. So my thinking is if the Nuggets can split Philly-Boston, so go one and one there, beat Washington, that's two and one, and then split those next two, that's a three and two road trip, and then you win your previous three, that puts you at five and two, or six and two, sorry, they would be six and two. Then they come back home, they face off against the Sixers again on Saturday, January 27th on national TV. They should win that, that should put them at seven and two, or seven and three, sorry. Then they face off against the Milwaukee Bucks on January 29th, that'll be another tough game. Hopefully they should win that, that'll put them at eight and two, and then they go on the road to OKC on January 31st to close out the month of January, and they're probably going to lose. To be honest, OKC is a really good team. The Nuggets have struggled against them. But if they could win that game, they would be able to close out the month of January 9-2, and two, leaving them with a record of 35-14, and 14, which is excellent. 21 games above 500, entering the month of February with a fantastic record and entering the trade deadline month with really good potential and a really big list of what players they might want to acquire for the remaining part of the season in the playoffs. And I'll touch base on a podcast next week about what players they might want to acquire or think about acquiring and to change topics just slightly. To kind of close out, I'm really happy that this is episode 12 and that I have really nice fan base who listens to my podcast. I think it's really cool. I love watching the Nuggets and I just love talking about the Nuggets. And I've had such a blast doing this and I really look forward to continue doing it through the rest of the season and the playoffs and hopefully another NBA championship this year. So as we look forward to 2024, I just want to say thank you for all my listeners and subscribers. And know I really appreciate every one of you guys. And if you ever have any feedback or anything, please feel free to contact me on my Twitter, Nuggets Nation, or my email, which I believe I've said before, but I will put in the episode description. And there's really cool things coming and I'm really excited to share with you guys, but I just can't share right now. But please stay tuned and always remember, go Nuggets and I look forward to catching up with you guys soon. Thanks.